The Black Shore Arts Hour. Hello and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Blackshaw Arts Hour. I am Ellie and I am here with Matt. Hello. We're two people talking to you. It's so exciting. <laughs> uh, coming up to the show today, we have got... Well, I mean, headline act really is Black Shuck. Yeah. Uh, an episode of a radio drama that used to be a stage drama. It is very drama. It's super dramatic. Uh, so you can you can listen to that. That's coming up at the end of the episode. Before then, we have got the aural delights of Matt doing a film review. And also, one of our favourites, it's Fringe Roulette making a return. Yeah, I think when this show goes out, the Fringe is going to have started. This will be going out on the day it starts. So, if you're you're listening to this at the Fringe... (laughs) Or if you're not at the Fringe, run! (laughs) We would love to hear your, your... short reviews of the shows that we turn up in fringe roulette yeah i would love it if you go to see any of these shows tell us what they're like and also we'd love for you to send us your recommendations so if you see some good stuff or some bad stuff (laughs) then uh let us know yeah what to seek out what to avoid indeed um also we would like to know how your shoes are faring on the cobbles i'm always interested in that yeah one time, Vicky Weston had to throw away a pair of shoes in Edinburgh because they were not cobble appropriate. Oh, no. There were some very worn walking boots and she was like, nope, these are done. Just Edi- put them in a bin. Edinburgh killed a pair of my shoes once as well. It yeah. rained so hard that uh, when I tried to pull them off, the soles came out. Yeah, that seems fine. <laughs> <laughs> About right. Okay, good. So, Matt, what are you reviewing for us today? Is the question... But first, (laughs) the theme music. The Matt Boothman Film Review. So good I put my trousers back on. Matt! We're all in a tizzy because (laughs) our brains have just started working again after weeks of being baked. And by that I mean by the sun, not not the other kind. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not. It's not been very fun. Um, And it rained today. Today is uh, Friday 27th of July, uh, the day that should go down as rain day. (laughs) Four finally turned up. Yeah, about damn time. So I I have been dancing in the rain um, and uh, we've freshly dried off and are recording this. In a in a post rain exuberance, so, uh, yeah. so not reviewing <clears throat> Thor. Uh, I thought no. we'd talk we'd talk about. Uh, I think these are the two films that I said I might talk about on last episode. So here's a turn up for the books. I've got some special reward stickers ready for you. <laughs> uh, Incredibles two and Mission Impossible Fallout. Yes, uh, a couple of high octane action thrillers. Yes. Uh, and are you going to talk a little bit about uh, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again as yes, well? Yes, I can yeah. tell you that. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about this. Um, so, the uh, the action films first. Um, yep. So, uh, both sequels. Uh, Incredibles 2 is a very long-awaited sequel. I think it's eight, eight or nine years. Twelve, I think. Twelve years since yeah. the first Incredibles film. Um, and it picks up immediately as mm. the the previous film ended so 12 years of real time no time of story time yeah and those two factors are why it can it can get away with a certain amount of um rehashing when it comes to like the plots between characters mm. so a lot of the tension as with the previous film comes from the incredible family particularly the parents not communicating especially well with each other classic stuff but you can understand that you can kind of buy that given that no time has passed in the story for them to have dealt with those issues yeah and that 12 years have passed so it doesn't feel like we're rehashing something we've just seen yes that's true it gives them a bit of leeway (laughs) yeah um so uh in the previous film uh dad bob parr uh, Mr. Incredible went and did a bit of uh, on-the-sly superheroing in this world where superheroing is illegal. And in this one, uh, Elastigirl, Mrs. Parr, gets to do some superheroing on the down-low, or sort of not exactly, but uh, of her own. Mm-hmm. She gets the superhero spotlight while uh, he gets the domestic uh, plot. Take that, patriarchy. <laughs> um, uh, so... Um, it has a it has a kind of a villain that I found kind of hokey. <laughs> it has this kind of like um, 
uh, we all stare too much at screens, and uh, that makes us vulnerable to the screens oh, labor, yeah. which, which I found a little bit like, uh, oh, kids these days look at their mobiles too mm. much. Um, but actually, I, I kind of didn't hate it too much because it um, it turned out to be a, a little bit of a bait and switch, and the the villain's real uh, thing is more about um, where we had the, the the villain in the first. Incredibles, whose thing was, uh, I didn't feel special because other people were super, so I'm going to make everybody super, so nobody's special. Yeah. Whereas this time we have somebody whose whose motivation is more, if there are these super people out there, then we take less responsibility for ourselves because we trust them to save us mm. and like don't do stuff ourselves. Yep. Which is a, a more interesting motivation than. Kids shouldn't look at their screens. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, overall, I really I like those are pretty much my top gripes with it. Yeah. Like I, overall, I really liked it. I mm. don't think it quite. It didn't quite have the magic of the first one for me, but I think that's just because I'm older. And yeah. I've seen more films. Yeah, I think it's that, and I think it's also that it kind of um, broke the mold a little bit with with what those sort of films were like yeah. and. Uh, the format of it was very different, um, different feel. So I think it, it's inevitably not going to be able to replicate the same magic. But I think it was certainly at the same level of uh, like clever and funny yeah. and great characters and great voice work, amazing animation. The animation is incredible. When I, when I was talking about what was making me excited for Incredibles 2, it was partly that the first one came out before superheroes became like all of blockbuster cinema oh yeah yeah and now it's like i was interested to see how if at all they used the film to like potentially comment on Mm. the fact that superheroes are kind of ubiquitous now Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really do that, and I think that was a good plan. Yes, it just <laughs> it's, sort of stuck to its own world. Exactly, yeah. It's dealing with the issues in, in the story that it's created rather than trying to be kind of meta. Yes. And I think that will mean that in the same way as the first one, it will it will have a longer legacy. Like, it will, it will last because it's not trying to be of a particular moment. Mm. It's just trying to be a really strong story in the, in the world that it's created. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, pivot a little bit to Mission Impossible Fallout. Yep, yep, yep. Um, How, what what number film is this? I on the Mission don't Impossible? know because they they don't put numbers in them. Not or they not, not in semi three. Yeah. So there's definitely been a go- a Ghost Protocol and a Rogue Nation since then, but I think there might have been another one as well. So this is at least six. Six. It is six. Yes. Okay. Cool. It's it's MI six. Yes. Why isn't this the British like, one? I guess that's why they didn't call yeah. it MI6. <laughs> or MI5 or MI5. for the previous one. Makes sense. <laughs> I was sort of hoping it was going to be four. I know it's not, but because it, like, it could be Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be a very Fast and the Furious naming yeah, convention. Yeah, it would, it would, but no. And they didn't even do anything like, oh, it's time to get sexy. <laughs> <laughs> No, all, all, basically all they do with, with these now is they, they just raise the stakes each time and make the... the, um, the so this is the, the franchise of the Impossible Mission Force who they never name in full on screen because it's ridiculous. IMF. They just call them the IMF. Is that what, the, is that what it stands yeah. for? Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> That's so terrible. That's why they never spell it out on that screen. That is so stupid though. I think, it, I think it's a hangover that? from the original TV show. Okay. Which was a bit more cheesy. Where things are made of like cardboard and polystyrene. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> who who take on the, the terrorists that nobody else can and they mm. are deniable and, and can do the stuff that the governments can't be seen doing. Hush, hush, quiet, quiet. Yeah. Hush, hush, quiet, quiet. Um, so, uh, it's as with Incredibles, it's just a really well done action film. Mm. Um, and I, we can have a bit of a chat about the action. I want to kind of have a talk about the action specifically in both of them. But um, uh, it's kind of it kind of just doesn't let up. Um, no, it, there, it's hard. it's a long slog. Like <laughs> in terms of, I just felt. Mm. Like pulse racing, sweaty palms throughout the yeah. film. I don't think there was a point where I was like, "Oh, now it's the 
let's have a chat in a cafe bit. There's none of that. <laughs> and that's hard to keep up, like, especially when you've you've watched a lot of films and yeah. a lot of action sequences. It's, it's hard to still get that reaction from an audience. And it's a long film. Yeah, it is a long old film. Um, Two and a half hours. <laughs> um, so the, the, the thing with the, that the Mission Impossible films seem to be going towards in terms of, like, a... Um, a theory or like a message is that um, it's important to have people who, who like are help trying to defend the world and defend the nation, but who care as much about saving a single life as they do about saving millions of people. Yeah. Which has this weird kind of overlap with stuff that we talked about around um, Avengers Infinity War. Yes. Which is, you know, that's the dilemma that they're all going through all the way through that film mm. is do we let one person go to save the many? And yeah. the, the, the choice that Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's character in the Mission Impossible films makes reliably every single time is to save the one mm-hmm. member of his team. Even save if the it, person in front of you. Even if it means that the, the job, the overall job gets a lot more complicated. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the films are going a little bit down a strange path of really idolising his character. And we get a few speeches from, like, Alec Baldwin's director character about, like, we need you specifically. Like, Mm. not just somebody with your skill set or somebody with your attitude, but, like, we are screwed if you aren't there helping us. And, like, there's this whole plot that's been going on for a couple of films, or that's sort of been out of the spotlight for a couple of films, but comes back for this one, where he has a secret wife Mm -hmm. um, who... uh, they couldn't be happy together because as long as they were together and he wasn't out saving the world, they were like, the world is in terrible danger because this one guy, Ethan Hunt, <laughs> is not out there defending the world. Yeah. And it has a weird, like watching that and Incredibles 2 uh, in sort of within a week of each other and that the villain motivation in Incredibles 2 of like, we shouldn't rely too yeah. much on these, on these particular... This small group of people. Yes. Yeah, or is this like one person? Extraordinary people. Yeah, um, there's a yeah. there is a bit as well where um, <laughs> where someone says to him, um, "I know that you'll be there to look after the world forever." <laughs> and I was like, "Not forever." <laughs> I mean, Tom Cruise is in his fifties; he's yeah. not definitely going to be doing it forever. <laughs> What's who he, who's he training? <laughs> we need an apprenticeship program yeah. because once he caught, once he's gone. <laughs> Presumably, judging by the things all these other characters are saying, the world just yeah. implodes. Who's going to take over? Simon Pegg. He's the comic relief. Yeah. No, it is. It is really rammed home quite a few times in this film that yeah. that this is the one man that is going to save the world, and no one else could do it. No. And it's um, we. Uh, I mean, I and we have been thinking about um, spy stories and secret agent stories a fair bit. Yeah. Recently, uh, for reasons. Um, cough, cough, Millie Roleplayers. Season, role season five is a spy story. I nearly, um, I nearly said uh, yeah. Ethan Hunt taking a leaf out of Richard Stratton's book with a secret <laughs> wife. <Yeah>. There. <laughs> um, and so that got me thinking about like the the um, contrast between this and something like Bond, where mm. there is never any illusion that Bond is any like he yeah, is. Totally a, he is very competent, but he is yeah. entirely replaceable. And yes. he is a a tool of the government and a cog in the machine, and nobody yeah. is putting him on a massive pedestal in the story. No, he's 007 and when he dies, someone else will be double O seven. Yeah, whereas Ethan Hunt is the man on the wall between <laughs> the world and chaos, apparently. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Because uh, oh, he God. just, you know, when everything when everything seems impossible, he goes for it anyway. <laughs> Do you think any of it comes from? I'm sure it doesn't. This is just me being snipey. Um, the, I, I feel like Tom Cruise has quite a sort of godlike mentality, and you know, is he just writing in these extra lines like, uh, "Yeah, if you guys could just say that basically <laughs> um, I am the only person in the world who can do this." Just basic. Can you just change that line to "is the best." <laughs> <laughs> maybe I like. In my mind, it's it's maybe a contrast between um, like a British attitude and an American attitude. Mm. Of like, oh, Trumpet we, we're, yeah, like we're America's police, uh, the world's policemen. Yeah, like you can't do without us. Yeah, kind of thing. And but then maybe that's reading too much. Into quiet it. in the background. <laughs> there's that brilliant MI6 agent who's just kicking ass <laughs> left, right, and center. So, and I'm, not going on about it, Matt. She didn't go on about it, does no. she? <laughs> no, no one's no. going on about it. <laughs> no, she just she doesn't even. Uh, this is um, 
Uh, I've forgotten the actress's name. Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. This is Rebecca Ferguson's character. Yes, yes, yes. Who, um, for a lot of the film, isn't even showing her face. She's just going around with her motorcycle helmet on, quietly getting the job done. Yeah. Um, Who is uh, a welcome return from MI5. Yes, yes. Rogue Nation. Um, She's really good. Yeah. I feel like I'm picking a lot of holes in both these films, but they were. Bo- I enjoyed both of them a lot. Yes, and I, th- I think a lot of it is that that thing you were saying about that the, they they kind of grab you by the scruff of the neck and they don't really let you go mm. for the whole runtime. Yeah, like, but it's a it's a it's a balancing act between um, keeping you on that peak of adrenaline and never letting you kind of slide all the way off. Yeah, because the. The issue that you were kind of touching on is if it's that for the whole two and a half hours, there is a high potential of it rather than just being on tenterhooks exciting for two and a half hours that it becomes a slog. Yes. And you, the being on the edge of your seat for the full two and a half hours becomes exhausting rather than exciting. Yeah. Did you feel like it tipped over into that? Um, I think it probably did about three quarters of the way through the film. I was just like, I can't take any more of this because, because like you say, they ramped it up each time they do the, one, of the, one of these films. They A lot of the sequences in this one feels like it could be the big final sequence. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily because of the narrative, but just because of how big they're going. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of money happening. <laughs> a lot of money on the screen all the time. Um, and it is fantastic. But yeah, two and a half hours mm. of being like seat grippingly, heart in mouth tension is is literally tiring um having said that i really really enjoyed the whole thing i did really enjoy it but they just got to that there was just a point in it where i was like oh god i don't know how much more of this i can do (laughs) yeah like i really i appreciate the art that it takes to keep you in that Mm. place and to understand that like you do have to have lulls yeah you can't just keep people there the whole time you have to give them a bit of a lull catch their breath and then straight back into it yeah um there's a lot of bits in mi fallout where it feels like it, you feel like you're at the climax of the sequence and then it goes more. Yes. Yes, exactly. It, and I think, I think the kind of um, looking at the two films together with fallout, it felt like they gave those respite times were moments yes. like a quick quip from someone or um, they're like very short traveling sequence. Yeah. Uh, whereas in The Incredibles, you get those rest times as a proper sequence of something mm. happening. So it was a bit, felt a bit more like a rest. Yeah, or you get the the contrast between like the uh, the the high stakes action uh, of the like the superheroing versus the the comedy action of yes. like dealing with a baby who's got all the superpowers. Yes, exactly. That was the kind of thing I was thinking. Is you get those really good tight comedy sequences mm-hmm. where there's a different different kind of high stakes it's domestic yeah. stakes right it's uh, it's it, and that, that's part of the point they do this contrast between the two the two worlds the two things are happening concurrently but um it it does um i guess because it's a kids film yeah it feels less demanding as well as <laughs> member <laughs> There's an interesting thing that um, I've, I've seen fallout um kind of being lauded but in some corners um as like oh this is the franch this is the franchise that is keeping real proper action cinema alive. Mm. The fact that and it's true that most action cinema now is superheroes. Yeah, and those films rely pretty heavily on CGI a lot of the time. Mm. And so the argument people are making is uh, the Mission Impossible films are keeping it real with the practical stunts and you know doing old school action cinema yeah. with like people riding motorbikes through streets yeah. as opposed to shooting rainbow rays at each other. Yeah. But um, I thought it was interesting that Incredibles, which is entirely CGI, mm. still manages to have real feeling tense action sequences and it, it doesn't feel... Um, it's no less tense because it's animated, it, because yeah. you know that it's not real, because there's still... You still have to have those that directorial eye on uh, what, are we sh- what do we show, whose perspective do we show it mm. from, when do we cut, yeah. how, how fast does everything move, when are those lulls and all those sorts of things. Yeah, so, there must be yeah. a similar creative approach mm. applied to both, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say that Fallout is like uh, just such a well-done 
90s blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if my 90s self could watch that film, their mind would be blown. <laughs> the yeah. stunts are incredible. The stunts are incredible. And I think all the performances are, are really solid. They do everything that's needed of them. Um, it, it twists and turns enough to keep you like yeah. guessing as well as on the edge of your seat. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of those really nice moments I like that Mission Impossible films do really well where you think it's someone and it's not someone. Yeah, I like that they have characters in the film make fun of them for that yes. being their gimmick. Yes, oh, you're the, or the, yeah, you're the guys with the masks, you're Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was just great. I, I don't have a lot of holes to pick. Obviously, worth noting as per, not great for the ladies. No, doesn't pass the Bechdel tests. Um... It does have female roles in it now, as you've got Angela Bassett coming in as yes. the, like, the head of the CIA. And she's great, but she's in it twice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson, as we said, is pretty prominent, but mm-hmm. she's always second fiddle to Tom Cruise. Yep, she's a little bit of a prop for him. Yep. Emotional prop. Um, although it's, it's emotional prop, but also like she, the role she's played in both the films she's been in so far is that she is working a different agenda. Yes. And it's like you, you, it keeps you guessing as to what she wants and how she's going to get in the way. And yeah, she's is got she a brain. Be more of a help or a hindrance. She's a person rather than a, than a device. Yeah, she, she's in her own story and she just keeps crossing over theirs. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's not the star of it. Um, and I cannot remember her name. I think it's Vanessa. Some Vanessa Kirby is yep, it? Yeah, yeah. White the, Widow. Um, the White Widow, who is quite a good sort of, I mean, standard femme fatale kind of. Yes, figure. she did it very well. So you go. Yeah. Recommend. <laughs> uh, at the other, at a different part of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma Mia! Here we go again. Yeah. Another so, sequel. There's, there's yes, our segue. There you go. Uh, so I saw it straight after uh, Fallout. As a sort of palate cleanser, which was really good because um, I needed a bit of a calmer ride. It was very emotional, though. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't remember the first one being that emotional, but I may have just. Mm, I guess maybe this one had more triggers that are relevant to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Because I think the first one was particularly affecting for um, women who who were a bit older than me, mm-hmm. who who can go through the thing that Meryl Streep is going through and look back on. Um, a lot of kind of younger romantic blah 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 <laughs> that stuff um, anyway this one's very good it's like 75% flashbacks to Lily James playing a young Meryl Streep um, the that, ca- that's a vote of confidence from the casting people isn't it yeah <laughs> yes yeah I mean and she's great she is absolutely brilliant um, all of the cast are great I, there's not a weak link among them Um it's really nice to see old characters coming back. Um, the 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 three male leads from last time mm-hmm. all managed to do some singing and dancing. Even Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Even Pierce Brosnan. Um, apparently, they were somewhat grumpy about the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going off the back of a, an interview. I heard, um, oh, what's she called? Um, Bransky. Christine Bransky. Yes, Christine yeah. Bransky. I keep wanting to call her Diane Bransky <laughs> because that's her name in the good yeah. way. Um, but she, yeah, she chatted about how uh, they were all very, the three of them were very grumpy whenever they are asked to do any singing or dancing. I'm sure they acted <laughs> Yeah, I feel like they probably enjoyed it. There's a really nice moment um, where uh, two of them enact the Titanic pose on the front of a boat. It's <laughs> very nice. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really good sort of joyful film. Obviously the music's amazing. This time they kind of do more, um, there seems to be more kind of flexibility and imagination around how the songs are performed. Okay. So they kind of are like takes on ABBA songs. Oh, okay. Doing Um, a bit of a pitch, pitch perfect route. A a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they don't, like, I wouldn't say they necessarily remix the songs. (laughs) But they definitely will be like, oh, we're going to do this one, but as performed in a Greek taverna. And okay. we're going to do this one, but as done as a like piano ballad. Oh, and yeah. So they, they, they do, they get, I guess they'd kind of mix up the genres um, quite nicely. Uh, there's some good cameos from ABBA. Yeah. Um, but of course, the biggest cameo is Cher. Yeah, Cher and Christine Baranski in oh one my God. film is quite powerful it is so powerful that i mean it was me and maybe 30 other people in the mm. cinema 
but there was a very, very loud vocal reaction when Cher appeared. And I was like, guys, we all know she's in the film, right? Let's calm down. But I, she does not disappoint. Okay. She's so game as well. She's really clearly enjoying herself. And oh, that's she, what you want uh, from that kind of cameo, right? It's such a relief as well, because I think you hear a lot of kind of, you know, she's up there with divas, isn't she? She's a diva. But I saw no evidence of that behaviour. I think she was clearly enjoying herself. Um, and I just think, I just think she had the right attitude. Great. And she really carried off her delivery of the songs mm-hmm. very beautifully. <laughs> So I would absolutely recommend it. (laughs) She is a professional. Um, Awesome. Okay. Three three sequels that don't disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, probably all for very different states of mind to go and see. Yeah. Yeah, I'd definitely say that. Uh, But yeah, really, really good. I would recommend all of them wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's not a bad, not a bad... Um, July for, yeah. for the films and I feel like it's been a little bit quiet for a while mm. on the release front and then boom three yeah. bangers <laughs> <laughs> have you got your eye on anything that is coming up uh, so um, The Wasp is coming up yeah 7th no 17th all no, I've seen so far 5th. is August <laughs> it's just August it's so there's, soon <laughs> so there's that if that's not out in time there's also there's also The Meg where Jason Statham fights uh, Jurassic Jaws. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, sure. Um, oh, okay, no. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out the 1st of August. Ah, awesome. So okay, the day prob- this comes out. It'll probably be that next time then. Yes. I've not been very enthused, but I saw a different trailer for it before Mission Impossible. Yeah. And it made it look much better. Oh, so maybe they had not had a great cut of trailer Maybe. previously well any which way I'm looking forward to it I just pretty much enjoy anything that Paul Rudd's in sure he's very funny <laughs> good yeah, alright lovely well I think we can treat ourselves to a little round of fringe roulette ooh nice okay so Edinburgh Fringe Festival is uh, up and running and um, it's preview week so high time to go and work out what you want to watch that's 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 that thing yeah there might uh, be discounts oh yeah they do do discounts in preview week <laughs> because they might not be ready <laughs> they might not be. you might go and see it in in preview week and it'd be a radically different show than they perform a week later uh okay so we had opened the doors to people sending us some words to use to put into the magic uh search function on the ed fringe website not that magic um and i've had a vast selection of bizarre items sent to us um just looking down the list i think bungalow is one that jumps out okay let's try that now we did say we were going to be impressed if people got ones that had that just give you one result. One result. Like a, <gasps> this is one result. It's a French Google whack. So congratulations, Sue Ann. Bungalow is a winner. Uh, it's called Dan Nightingale: Sex, Drugs, and My Nana's Bungalow. <laughs> okay. It's comedy. Is stand up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, it is at Just the Tonic um, at the Mash House. Um, it is on at 9.55 throughout the festival. Uh, another hour of stand-up from the UK circuit's very best award-winning comedians. Heartfelt, funny, and as ever, brutally honest. This is the story of a huge shift in circumstances for Dan. Three years ago, he was a single, selfish party man-child, and now he lives with his wife and child in a sleepy seaside town in his grandparents' old bungalow. Warning includes tentative re- tentative references to mild sex and gentle drug use, but repeated gratuitous use of the word bungalow. <laughs> it, if you hear it enough times, it could start to sound naughty. That's true. Well, there you go. That sounds fun. Um, right. What word should we use next, Matt? Uh, I don't have the list I will in front of flash me. flash the list at you. <laughs> I would like ragged, please. Okay. Would you like to guess how many results there are? Is it five? It's six. Very close. close. Okay, so this is something a bit different. This is Of Rags and Bones. It is devised new writing theatre. Ooh, this feels... uh, Have we talked about any theatre on Fringe Roulette yet? It's all been children's and comedy, It's been children's and comedy. I mean, that's standard for the Fringe. I know. So this is uh, at the Quaker Meeting House. 
It is only on from the 6th to the 11th. Um, and it's by Newbury Youth Theatre. Oh. Inspired by the short stories... Sorry, that was very patronising of me, wasn't it? No, it's fine. <laughs> that was, that's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Inspired by short stories, um, NYT... National Newbury Youth, Youth. No, it's, it's oh, Newbury. Newbury Theatre. They probably shouldn't use that acronym because it's misleading. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love the sounds of the Newbury Youth Theatre, but I feel like they are not as well known as the National Youth Theatre. No. Anyway, um, they, Newbury Youth Theatre, present new fables of modern love and ritual on the night bus, on the last train, amongst the detritus of deserted pubs and clubs and in the secret corners of the city, pickpockets... Pickpocket poets steal the stories of the lost. It's a mouthful, isn't it? They've got lots of lovely reviews, so that's good. Yay. There you go. Could be worth a go. Indeed. See some stars of the future. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if you could be like, yeah, well, I saw them. I saw them in the youth theatre. <laughs> in the, the MIT. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to choose another word. I am going to go for... We've had two of our... two. We've had two people. That That last one was from Richard. Thank you. Congratulations, Strat. Um, <laughs> of this parish. <laughs> of this parish. Uh, I'm going to go with Void. Ooh. Oh, it's going to be something dark, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, guess how many results? Uh, uh, seven and half of them are children's. Okay, so it's six okay. again. <laughs> and none of them are children's. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to tell you about Call of the Void. Uh, it's devised storytelling theatre at Greenside at Royal Terrace. Uh, it's only 35 minutes long. This is Ooh. intriguing. Um, Fit it's, it in between other shows. Yeah, it's only on for two days, the 22nd and 23rd. Call of the Void explores catharsis and connection through ghost stories from around the world, incorporating music, movement and immersive effects. This world premiere production will beckon your mind beyond the living. Do you think... It's a trap. (laughs) Do you think if they perform it three times, it's like saying Beetlejuice three times and it will summon something? Yes! (laughs) That's exactly what I think. It's on on 8.55 and I urge you to not go. (laughs) (laughs) The the image is um, disturbing. It's um, a person under a sheet but it's lit in such a way that you can just see their eyes and their mouth and their hands. Um, so, I mean, if you're into this stuff, this sounds like the right sort of that stuff. See it twice. But no, never three times. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Should we end on a less scary one uh, so I don't have nightmares? <laughs> sure. I've, got, I've, I've already picked my other word. Oh, okay. What is it? It's gardening. Gardening. Oh, I should say who Void was from. Um, Void was sent to us by Vicky Weston. And gardening is Helen. So, gardening. Oh, guess how many results? Uh, Ten. No. Is it one? No. Twenty-nine. Whoa. I know. Lots of gardening shows. That is a lot of gardening. Um, Would you like to narrow it down by choosing a genre? Yeah, can we have some theatre, please? Yes, I hope. Um, it's a lot of Maybe. historical Ooh. ones tagged jazz and tasting <laughs> um, oh here we go this is An Elephant in the Garden by Michael Morpurgo oh, can't get much more theatre yeah. than that Yeah, this is at the Underbelly Bristow Square, the Dairy Room it's an hour and five minutes it's a very unusual run time for a <laughs> For Edinburgh. Just couldn't shave that final five Well, yeah, off. apparently not. The vital five minutes. <laughs> um, it is family-friendly. It's by Poonamali Productions. Poonamali. Lovely. That's so amazing. Uh, story is as follows. Lizzie, her mother, and an elephant from the zoo flee the Dresden firebombing in the Second World War. Escaping the Allies from the West and the Russians from the East, this extraordinary trio of refugees meet an RAF an RAF officer who was bailed out of his aeroplane, a school choir on the run from the Nazis, and the American army tanks appearing over the horizon. That sounds kind of awesome. It's based on a true story. Is it really? No. Oh, I hate you so much. I really, went, I really fell for that. Um, there you go. It's running throughout the festival. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Oh, I bet they have some cool puppetry if they've got an elephant. An, ele- an elephant. Mm. Yeah, I'd hope so. 
Or just a person in a mask. (laughs) That'd be so rubbish. (laughs) I mean, if it is that, maybe they'll make it magical, but it doesn't sound great (laughs) on paper. Oh boy. Um, Well, there you go. We are going from elephants to dogs. Coming up now, we've got a black shaggy dog story. It's going to chill your bones. Proper shaggy dog story in that we're going to spin it out over a a fair few weeks for you. Yeah, that's right. So your first instalment is just coming up. And um, thanks to lovely Andy for doing all of the sound creation and editing and magic. I don't know how it works. Bringing the moors to life. The moors, the fens, the coast. Uh, It's just all the places. Yeah. All the places. They're all in this. If (laughs) If you like a place, have a listen and you'll find it in these uh, noises. Uh, so here we go. It is the world premiere of the radio drama Black Shuck by Duncan Hans. Well, whose bright idea was it to do the drop here anyway? I know, Art, I know. But this is the biggest shipment we've ever taken, and if half the reception committee can't find the sodding drop, it doesn't exactly make the other half look good, does it now? Me! I'm the other half! No, 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 no! Don't try switching on your torch, imbecile! Do you want every copper and busybody from Lincolnshire to Ipswich to know we're out here? Yes, I know it's dark. That's the point. Look, they'll be here soon. Once the moon comes out, you might be able to find a track or something, or follow a creek to the sea, then turn left. Yes, I know it's muddy art. Bogs off an hour. Look, I managed to find it fine. I told my sister you were an idiot when she married you. I knew we should have travelled up together. Okay, okay, calm down. What you need to do is... See you, Gilda Coot. Crap in a handbag. See you, Gilda Coot. Come in, please. Are you receiving? Over. Useless bloody thing. Call you back in a sec. See you, Gilda Coot. Come in, please. Can you hear me? Over. Yes, yes, bloody yes. Hello, Sea Eagle. Coot speaking. This is Coot here. Receiving you loud and clear. Over. Are you set? Over. We're set. What's your ETA? Over. Rip is on its way. Just entering harbour now. Should be with you shortly. Depends on the moonlight and if the clouds move over. Hopefully that they'll be able to, uh... Have the monies transferred. We've had to go ahead to deliver you the gear. Now, final check. We don't want any cock-ups. You're playing with the big boys now. I hope for all our sakes you prepared right. Do you have the rucksacks? Over. Rucksacks, check. Over. Okay. There are two of you. You'll need two to carry the gear over. Coot, are you receiving? Over. Balls. Yep, got that sea eagle. Sorry, bad line. Uh, yes. Uh, two to carry the gear over. Over. Oh, where the frig are you? Good. And you've not seen anything suspicious? Over. No, over. There's nobody else about on the marshes. Over. No, we're all alone. Over. Any police about in the village today? Over. No, no, no. Typical sleepy seaside village. All ice creams, buckets and spades. Over. Nobody is going to think they're Jean-Claude Van Damme. Over. No, no. All smooth as a... uh, Smooth uh, smooth as a... uh, As a smoothie. Over. Good. This ain't the movies. Over. No, over. You never know who's creeping up behind you. Over. Yep, anyone clever will keep an eye over their shoulder. Over. We will. See that you do too. No screw-ups. 
Expect us when the moon comes back out, if not before. Out. Uh, out. Oh, come on, come on. Hello. 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 What happened to you? I fell over. You fell over? That's what I said. Almost slid to the sea. The moon was in. <sighs> well, it's embarrassing enough without you staring. Well, it'll be more embarrassing when the delivery arrives. What are we going to look like? Like we've just crossed a salt marsh in the dark. So it won't matter. Because they won't see us. Because it'll be dark. I think I've got water in my phone. Unbelievable. Thanks for the sympathy. Uh, you can have sympathy when you get something right. Now try to concentrate on the job in hand. Is that better? No. What about now? What am I, a mirror? I was lucky, really. Lucky? You look like a cross between an advert for the Royal Marines and an outtake from Countryfile. Call it camouflage, then. A camouflage? Yeah, but it's lucky, though. Could have drowned. Mm, it'd make my life easier if you did. Me dad stepped in a puddle once up here on holiday. Just an innocent little puddle in the path, same as any other. Walking along in his welly so he didn't bother going round, and woomph, he disappears over his head, and he's six foot three. It was a pothole. In the path. Yeah. You get them round here, even in the paths. They're bottomless. They look like a puddle, but oh, step in one and you'll know about it. And Dad knew. <laughs> Lucky me and Rob was with him. Rob, your brother Rob. Yeah, Rob, me brother Rob. Who do you think? Well, we know a lot of Robs. Well, if I'm on about when I was a kid, it'll be Rob, me brother Rob, innit? Innit. Well, me and Rob, me brother Rob, we pulled him out. Though, I would have been eight and he'd have just been six-ish. But when Dad went, his hands went up like this. One second, me dad's there. Next, there's just a pair of hands waving at me. It was funny now, but squeaky pants time when you're there. We grabbed his hands and he kicked his way out. <laughs> he lost both his wellies. He had to walk back in his socks. He drove back to the caravan in them too. Funny thing was, guess what he was talking about just before he went? I, I don't know. Get, tell me. No, guess. Price of fish? No. He was on about how kids are always getting themselves mucky. Grown-up sees mud, he says. Grown-up sees mud, grown-up goes round mud. Kid sees mud, he says. Kid goes, woo, yay, chance to get mucky. And your poor mother has to clean your clothes and you. And when I want a bath, it's filthy dirty with whatever muck you've been splashing around in. And with that, he drops into this pile like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> well, you'd think that would show him, but you know Dad, he's never wrong. So once we pulled him out and Rob stopped crying, Dad turns to us and what does he say? What? That's why you've always got to wear your wellies. Out here, they're about safety, not keeping your trousers clean. And he stood there in his socks, covered in his muddy tar, looking ready to be feathered. And he's waving his clean hands at us, the only bit of him that ain't black, giving us this lecture about keeping clean and safe. <laughs> oh, did me and Rob laugh at him? Yeah, oh, I'll never forget that. And that was here, was it? No, no, it was along the coast a bit. But you get the same thing here, and potholes and that. So, knowing that, what made you think this would be a good place for the drop? Oh, I've always thought so. How many times have you been here? Loads of times. Every year when I was a kid, on holidays. And recently? Not so much. Always meant to, but never got round to it. <sighs> Till now, of course. I always meant to bring Lucy up here, show her the place. Leave my sister out of it. Hear that? Moisture catcher. And leave the... All your bloody phology out of it too. What's eating you? What's eating me? Yes, Moody Moo, what's eating you? I'll tell you what's eating me. I am collecting a large amount of illicit herbiage from a very important importer and I appear to have enlisted the help of a contagious idiot who hasn't been near the place for a very long time. Do you mean contagious? Yes. Don't think you do. Don't you mean congenital? What? Have you swallowed a dictionary? What the bloody hell does congenital mean? Well... Con is Latin for with, and genital as in genes. So a congenital idiot is a genetic idiot. It runs in the family like. Yes, idiocy runs in your family. No, I have no desire to stand here discussing genitals with you, contagious idiot. Returning to my original point, you are here as my guide on the basis that you know this area and I have found the rendezvous by moonlight and without falling into the marsh between the car and here. 
Well, it's a long way across the marshes and they change over time. It's coastal erosion and that. And I have managed to remain at the rendezvous and concentrate on the job in hand without telling the story of half my childhood or bringing coastal erosion into it or disappearing into a pothole. No, 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 no. That was my dad. Oh, same difference. So what made you think this would be a good place for the drop given that you, in charge of navigation, have failed... Vehicle to Coot, come in, please. Are you receiving? Over. Go and try and clean yourself up a bit in the sea. It's just over there. And try not to get lost or fall over. Yes, Sea Eagle, this is Coot receiving. Go ahead, Sea Eagle. Over. We've hit a flaw in the plan. Seem to be off track. Might be delayed. Over. OK, Sea Eagle. We're good to sit tight and wait, but what's the problem? Over. It's black as hell out here. We're working our way in, but have to go slowly. Might have to creep along the edge of the marshes to find you. Over. OK, understood, Sea Eagle. Do you want us to flash a torch or something to guide you in? Over. No. Repeat, no, Coot. No more lights than absolutely necessary. We don't want any attention. Over. I know, but what if it becomes necessary? Over. Then we'll call back. Over. The moon's out here now. It should be with you shortly. Over. Good. We'll keep you updated, Coot. Out. Out. Right. Look! Neptune Air Antiquia. What? It's a red whelk. You're showing me a whelk? Is there a stand? Are we stopping for a snack? The shell's well rare and it's well pretty. Look at the pattern. Where's me torch? No lights. How many times? Concentrate on the job in hand. Might as well keep it interesting while we're waiting. Bib's on its way then. Yeah. How do you know the Latin for whelk then? Learned the names of mollusks when I was a kid. You know how your brain soaks up information when you're little. It just goes in and stays. Well, I was fascinated by these shells when we were on holiday. And I got a book about them for Christmas. And I read that, and got another. And when we went to the seaside, we'd play in rock pools, and I'd know all the names, and each genus and species and family has a Latin name, and I learnt all about them. And you don't forget that stuff. And the birds too, waders and that. Really? And when I was a teenager, I had to hide it, though I still went out birdwatching down the Thames estuary. But I'd never get a girlfriend by talking about taxonomic ranks of mollusks, so I didn't talk about it, because everyone would take the piss. But it's well interesting... And people no longer take the piss. Concentrate on the job in hand. Well, let's go through the plan then. We know the plan. Yeah, but it's not gone so well so far. OK. We meet Sea Eagle here shortly. He drops off, the rib goes back out, they meet the ship and head back to Holland. Nobody knows they were here. Certainly not us. Not anybody. Tide's out, so nobody will be going up or down harbour. Nobody will have any reason to be here. And it's a spring tide, so all of this will be covered in five hours and any trace will be washed away. We've got the full moon, so we won't need any more lights than what we need to unload. Correct. Lucy should have transferred half the money. Have you heard from her? Not from her, but he's mentioned it on the radio before you arrived. It's all in hand. What's their story if they're stopped? Uh, uh, they're on a night diving trip. OK. Carry on. We put the gear in the rucksacks, we go back to the car, split up, make lots of money... Pay back nasty Rob what he's lent us to buy the gear. Plenty left to spend on a wife. That's the plan. I was wondering, can't I have a bigger cut? I'll spend it all on her anyway. You can have what I give you. But I'm taking... You know why? Wouldn't like your nasty little secret getting out, would we? Don't remind me. Once we're back at the cars and split up, what's next? You head back to London for distribution. I go west to Wolverhampton and pass my load off with Rob there. Which Rob? Uh, squinty Rob. And the compartment in your car's ready? Yep, yours. Uh, don't be questioning me. Lucy and me did all the preparations around mine this morning. Cars, spare fuel, weapons, supplies. What's the thing you're not to forget? Uh... As soon as we're off the marsh, text Luce. She hands over the rest of the cash to their associate in London. Next question. Yes? Why would you give us such a twatty call sign? Coot. Well... They're sea eagle, on account of sea eagles are predators. They're really beautiful. They're not. They're gone to seed washed up ex-junkies with scars like a Millwall fan, ugly as sin. So why are we coot? Coots are amphibious, very similar to moorhens. We're the link between land and sea, so I thought it was appropriate. Well, why weren't we moorhen then? Sounds like we're bold or something. Bold as a coot. I should have never let you choose the call sign. And another last thing. You got your gun? Yep. It's ready? Loaded? Yep. When did you last clean it? 
after we did that test firing. Well then, do it again now while we've got a moment. We don't want it jamming if we need it. <sighs> I'm a bit disappointed you don't know this place as well as I was led to believe. Lucy says you're always going on about it. Oh, I love the place. We stayed all along the coast here. Caravans when we were little, then B&Bs later. You have my condolences. No, it was great. Not like all them package holidays, go and get sunburnt and too hot and ripped off. Nah, who'd want good food, good weather, sandy beaches, when you can have a muddy swamp? Everyone speaks English. Bit of the other with buff Spanish waiters. It's proper food. Lovely tan. (laughs) Shut the bed, what are you playing at? It was an accident, wasn't it? Are you totally inept? Well, the usual question would be, am I all right? Well, I'm not. Nearly gave me a coronary. Oh. He'd serve you right. What's your bloody fault? How? You got me to fire down a trigger. So it'd fire easier in an emergency. I forgot that cleaning things is a state of emergency for you. What, do you think they'll have heard in land? <sighs> nah, too far off. Unless they're out digging bait or something. Did you think they'll have heard? On the boat? Coot to Sea Eagle. Come in, please. Over. Coat to Sea Eagle, come in please. Over. Oh God, what if they have? Well, then you're to blame for them legging it back out to sea. I would. Oh God. Coot to Sea Eagle, come in please. Over. You've been listening to Black Shuck by Duncan Hands. With Rachel Knott as Martha, Alexander Pankhurst as Art, and additional voices by Tom Slatter, Duncan Hans, and Ellie Pitkin. The show is directed by Ellie Pitkin, with sound by Andrew Crane. The theme music is Missed on the Moor by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. This was a Blackshaw Theatre Company production. The Blackshaw Arts Hour. Ooh, that's a tasty air treat. <laughs>